to This Grit and Grace Life, a podcast for strong women and those who want to be. From the boardroom to the bedroom, car lines to college, single, married, or single again, real talk for women embracing this grit and grace life. Let's get into it. Okay, Dar, I'm a little bit nervous about today's episode because I think it might expose one of my personal issues. Oh, what's that, Julie? I mean... I guess this podcast in itself is going to, over time, reveal all of my issues. Uh But today we're doing something a little bit different, and we're going to have a friend join us. And so I'm concerned that my lack of filter and or inability to let others talk is going to be a problem. Do you think it's going to be? I've never noticed that. Mm -hmm. Oh, no. No. Well, anyway, I'm Julie Graham, fighter for the last word. And I'm Darlene Brock, and I absolutely know that to be true. (laughs) And I've decided... She can have the last word. It's perfectly fine. (laughs) It's that you're older um, and wiser, and you have learned when to let someone else talk. Yeah, and your statement better be, she is much wiser. Much wiser. Thank you very much. Just barely older. Just barely. No, I wouldn't say that, but hey, stick with the much wiser and has learned. (laughs) It's perfectly okay for Julie Graham to have the last word. They're usually good ones. (laughs) We are really excited this week to welcome one of our friends and writer at the Grit and Grace Project, a lady who is a licensed psychotherapist with multiple degrees, and she serves a lot of other women as a life coach. And I think she can do that because of her life. In addition to her degrees, she is a mother of five, four are at home. She has a teenager and a preschooler which, okay, let's just span that one. And she's been married for more than 20 years. Um, I'm impressed, and I'm sure you will be too. So if you would, welcome today, Dr. Zoe Shaw. Hi, thank you so much for having me here today. I'm very excited to talk with you ladies. What's so fun is that we've got from California to Florida. So I feel like we should be drinking like fruity drinks right now. We should. Instead of the coffee we're always drinking. Well, thanks for joining us, Zoe. We are so excited to get some insight from you. It's it's our desire on this podcast to um, have practical advice for women of all ages and stages of life, redefining what it looks like to be a strong woman. And so we recognize that the truth is, is we ladies have struggles and challenges um, that we're going to face regardless of, you know, what season of life we're in. And so because we know it is your you know, life's work to encourage and equip and, um, you know, counsel and help women, we wanted to get your insight on some of the things that you uh, find women come to you for. So some of those, so the recurring issues or struggles that you find to be more common among your clients, we just kind of want to pick your brain a little bit, if that's okay. Sure thing. Of course, of course. I, you know, I see a lot of women and I also see a lot of couples. And so women come in for specific issues. And generally when women come to see me, there's a crisis, right? Mm -hmm. So we're looking at life crises that might happen. There's marriage issues. There's, you know, work issues. There's self issues. So they come in because of a crisis, usually an event, And then we look at the actual issues that are going on in their life and usually have to do with transitions sometimes. So when, Zoe, when would you uh, say they need, we need to go seek counseling? I know a lot of women, myself included, think I can work it out. I can figure this out. I can handle it. Uh, When do we need to step up and say, I I need a little extra assistance? What's the trigger point and how should we feel about it? 
Well, this is such a do-it-yourself culture and a Google culture, right? And so <laughs> often when things happen, we go to Google. Oh, yes. We Guilty. look up, you know, what's going on and we start to look for, for answers. And I would say when you find yourself continuing to look for answers for specific things that are going on in your life, and it's not something that can be helped in an article, and you find that, you know, you might read something and you start to feel a little better, or you read a book, and maybe it helps you out a little bit, but the issue continues to come back up, it's time to seek therapy. That's great. So what is, I'm a layman, I don't understand this. What's the difference between Coming to someone like you, who I would totally trust, you're highly educated, and you have, what, 16, 17, 100 billion years of experience or something? <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, that versus another counselor. What, when do you go to which, and uh, how do you make that decision? Well, it depends on what the issue is. So if we're talking about something like depression, anxiety, if we're talking about severe relationship issues or severe personal issues, you want to seek out a therapist. You also, and, and I'll talk to you a little bit about the difference differences between a psychiatrist, psychotherapist, and a counselor. Oh, wow. And a psychiatrist is someone who is going to treat you with medicine. So a psychiatrist has an MD, they've gone to medical school, and their focus is on the chemical imbalances in your brain. So a lot of times people will go to a psychiatrist thinking that the psychiatrist is going to talk to them, that they're going to get therapy and help, and they're disappointed because they find that they sit for 15 minutes and the psychiatrist asks them a bunch of symptoms and then gives them medication and leaves. Oh, wow. That's, I didn't know that. Yeah, and, and that's the purpose and that's necessary, especially mm -hmm. if you're looking at severe disorders like schizophrenia, you know, severe depression or anxiety. So that's why you go to a psychiatrist when you need medication. And sometimes your therapist will refer you to a psychiatrist when they realize that you do need that. So a therapist works with psychological issues and is able to kind of break them down for you, look at what's going on with you, sometimes developmentally, looking at some interpersonal issues that are going on in your life and really helps you talk out and work out issues in your life that you're not able to do yourself. A counselor is usually what we would call a lay person. So they, you know, might not have degrees or advanced degrees and usually don't have, um, they might have certain licenses. It just depends, but they're going to work with more minor issues. So you and your husband need to look, work on, you know, maybe a little bit of communication or especially in your church, you know, there might be some, some, spiritual issues in your marriage or something like that, that's fine to go to a counselor for that. But you wouldn't want to seek them out for more severe issues because they're not really trained for it. That's a really good breakdown. That's helpful. Um, so would you say like a, somebody who practices as a life coach without degrees or someone who, um, you know, often serves in her community as a mentor, um, th that would kind of fall in that, that bottom layer of what we would refer to as counseling. But then once you know, you've got some of those deeper, more significant issues, that's when you really need to, um, kind of go to that next step and see a therapist. Am I, am I, am I jiving with yeah. you? Right. Okay. Absolutely. So when, when we're looking at that whole world of life coats, right, it's like the wild, wild west. <laughs> yeah, when did that I've even start? That, yeah, really. <laughs> like last year or just kidding. But I mean, within the last decade, that's become a, come more of a thing. 
Exactly. There's no, you know, there are some certifications, but there, there is no license for it. There's no really body that's, that's regulating it. And so if you're looking for encouragement, if you're looking for some support, if you really want like a coach, like you go to a trainer, Mm -hmm. um, or you want somebody to help you help give you specific skills in a specific area, a life coach might be somebody to go to. But when we're looking at more, you know, deeper issues, that's not someone to choose. So life coach can be fabulous. Absolutely. Spoken like a true life coach. But I love right. that you're actually able to, um, you know, serve and counsel women from both elements, both angles. That's why we're so happy that you decided to join us today. Um, do you find that you have women come to you, um, you know, knowing that they need that additional help um, more as a therapist? Do you, do you find that first they kind of have to tackle that hurdle of maybe shame associated with needing help? Oh, absolutely. Especially people who are coming for the first time. And I always ask that question when they come into my office, have you ever been in therapy before? And you can kind of tell because it's, you know, it's not a normal life situation where you just go in and meet a stranger, sit on their couch and just, you know, (laughs) all of your personal. No, it is not at all. It is not. So it's something you do have to get used to. Um, And so, yeah, there is some shame involved. There is a little bit of, you know, feeling uncomfortable. And I really think it's important for you to vet your therapist. You want to make sure that there's a connection because just like any other relationship, it is a relationship and you do have to have to mesh. Yeah, Yeah, that makes sense. And I also let's just break for a second here and say, ladies, there is no shame Absolutely not. If you're facing challenges that you need to go to the next step, we're going go. Yay, raw. We're saying do not hesitate. Vet them. Absolutely. But jump in because we all have found places in life we need a little extra help and we should go for it. I know I was chatting with Dar over lunch as we were preparing to record. And I said, oh, I am like 100% into counseling. I've been to a slew of counselors over my adult life for various issues. And sure, I was embarrassed the first time I sought out counseling um, for some food-related struggles when I was in college. But it was so helpful that the next time, you know, now I'm a young married and trying to figure out how to be a wife and, you know, overcoming some struggles there, I knew that counseling would be something that would be helpful and fruitful. And so, um, I have personal experience with being, you know, nervous about trying counseling, but then actually finding that it was really, really helpful. Um, so love the kind of work that you're doing. So Zoe, uh, Dr. Zoe, I really, I know you're my friend and so I can call you Zoe, but I really should call you Dr. Zoe. Let's make it legit. Let's make it legit. Okay. (laughs) Dr. Zoe, um, really, what would you say? Give us some of the top, um, things that you find that walk in your office or ladies bring or couples bring that they're the challenges they're facing. Why don't we just talk about a few of those? Sure. So individually, when we're talking about women, um, big issues are self-esteem, body issues. Um, There's kind of the, for some women, it's the work-life balance, it's parenting issues. There's an issue of self really. So who am I and what is my purpose in this world? Um, sometimes a sense of feeling lost. Um, you know, there's, there's just so many different issues, but sometimes you also have attached to that some depression and some anxiety related to whatever's going on in in your life or relationships. When we're talking about couples, I would say the biggest couples issues are parenting 
communication, sometimes lack of, sometimes just a breakdown of communication. Um, unfortunately, pornography has been a very big one. Oh, uh, yeah. We have read that recently. That I think I read the other day that even among men who profess faith, there's mm-hmm. 60% of them, um, they go to pornography. They watch it regularly. And I was pretty sh- shocked by that. I guess I shouldn't be. And I'm sure women struggle with it a little bit too. I heard something recently going off of that, something 60, 70% of men and like 30% of women. Is that true? You Have you know. heard that? It is true. And the, the rate for women is rising, mm. unfortunately. Yes, that those, those numbers are pretty true. And it is a big issue in marriage. Mm-hmm. Of course, we always have the infidelity as well, as well. But pornography is kind of the new, you know, on that bell curve, it's kind of the new part of the mm. infidelity. Okay, so with couples, mm-hmm. where do you start? I mean, let's say, let's just hit some top lines. And I'm not asking you to offer counseling over the air, but give us some. But I am. I'm but, <laughs> I'm over here Julia's. taking notes. <laughs> yeah. Well, of course, it depends on what the issue is that's being brought in. And lots of therapists have different um, points of view on how they do it. I like to speak to couples individually. Um, often there's information that is shared in just a different way. I also make it very clear that when I'm working with couples, I will not hold secrets. So I'm not the holder of the secrets, Mm -hmm. but it's okay if we speak individually so that I can hear a little more authenticity without worrying about the other person listening. Um, and then I bring couples together and then we talk about the issues that are going on. If we're looking at communication, I actually teach couples how to communicate. And a lot of okay. Give us a couple of tips on that. Mm -hmm. We want to hear. Yeah. Absolutely. So there's some basics to communication. Um, The first one is, of course, using I statements, right? Mm -hmm. So instead of saying you did this to me, it's I felt because the second you say you, what happens? The other person starts to feel defensive. Defensive, So you can only own yourself Mm -hmm. and how you feel. So I statements. The second is making sure that your partner heard what you said. Remember, when we're in marriages, when we're in relationships, the other person sees and hears things in life totally different than you do. We all have a different lens. So you can say something to somebody and they hear something totally different. And when it comes to communication, it doesn't matter what you say. It really doesn't. The only thing that matters is what's heard. Mm. And so when you speak, after you speak, you need to ask, what did you hear? And you can get that back. And sometimes there's, it's amazing because so much clarification can happen in that process. And then you realize half the time you're talking, they're hearing something different. (laughs) I think that's true. Like, uh, will you please unload the dishwasher, honey? And he hears, I'm going to sit down and read the paper. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Or he doesn't hear now. He hears, you know, maybe sometime this week. Exactly. Mm -hmm. That's it. Yes. That's smart. Um, I've, I had some similar advice given to um, myself and my husband when when we were doing premarital counseling. And I remember we tried using some of those techniques and I'll be honest and say they've kind of worn off, but that is an exercise that we try to bring in when we recognize we're struggling and it can feel a little uh, forced maybe like, well, what I heard you say is you can feel a little say, feel, uh, feel a little odd saying it. Um, but you're right. It really does kind of bring to light where what I said is not what you heard. And I need to restate it a few times, or he needs to restate his request or concern a few different ways so that I can hear what he's actually saying. So that is super helpful. Absolutely. And everybody feels uncomfortable and they feel awkward when they first start doing it because it feels like it's not authentic. Yeah. But what you 
find out is you're able to take a couple steps back and sit and really hear the other person and you're going to have a totally different dynamic. Boy, and I think in relationships, the pause is mm. probably a big part of building a relationship. Absolutely. Yes, it is. Being willing to take that time. Yeah. Not being in such a hurry all the time. All right. And what else hard, do you have for you want to just get our point across, you know, and so it's hard to sit back and be quiet when the other person is talking. Um, but that it's it's just so important to do that. Yes. I'm looking at Julie. We love getting our points across. <laughs> so it's a good... I don't know what maybe, you're talking about. I don't know what you're talking <laughs> She looks down in shame. <laughs> All right. What's another thing you find common that maybe couples specifically are struggling with? Money. Money. Oh, yeah. money, 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 money. I've never money. had that issue. I don't know what you're talking about. Uh-huh. Yeah, no. Right. And of course, you always marry your opposite, right? So mm -hmm. you've got the spender and then you've got, you know, the super thrifty one. And it's just, you know, a recipe for combustion. Mm -hmm. So yeah, money's a big issue. And what needs to happen when couples are talking is they have to be able to get to a point where you can hear the other person. And a big one is understanding that both of you are right. Ah, I think you need to say that again. Okay. Say it again. Both of you are right. That's a good one. I don't think I've ever heard that sentence before. <laughs> Tell me what you mean. And when you can communicate from that point of view, if you can tell yourself, yes, he's right. And why is he right? And then you can actually defend that knowing that he's going to do the same thing. You come about it from a very different place and you can understand and you can develop some empathy. And when you get to this point of, I have to be right, or he has to be right. When you get to both of you are right, guess what? Where, where are you going to fight? Ah, that's really good. Okay. When it comes to money, mm -hmm. my, my husband and I, when we first got married, we were building our own businesses and we had zero amount of money. Yeah. And if he saw five cents in the checking account, it totally unnerved him completely. So I finally said, honey, do you trust me? And he said, yes. I said, well, then don't ever look at it again because I don't care. And it worked out really, really well. That's great. That's perfect. And, you know, sometimes having separate bank accounts is not the worst thing either. A lot of couples feel like, well, we have to have joint accounts because that's what we were told and we're married. So now it has to be joint. But if that is such a point of contention in your marriage, it's okay to have separate accounts. Now, I also believe that if you do have separate accounts, you need to both have access to them. Interesting. But it's okay to have those separate accounts as well. Would you, are, when you say as well, do you mean you'd recommend having a joint and then in addition having the separate? I want to make sure I'm yeah. hearing what you're saying. Yes. When I say as well, what okay. I mean is that a lot of people feel like it's not okay. And I think that joint accounts are great as well. And you can have individual accounts and it really depends on, on your marriage. And I've had couples that I've worked with and I've said, let's separate it. Let's just out and we do it and they come to a system and it's like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. Now we don't fight about this anymore. Mm -hmm. And it's just kind of getting out of that whole idea that you have to have the joint account. Okay, if it's working, so that's fine. So basically you're saying there are several answers that can resolve these kind of issues. It's finding the one that works for that couple. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And find, and creating your own rules and abiding by them. So if it's, you know what, we are going to always consult each other on the big 
the big spending issues. But you and I have different spending patterns and we don't agree on the things that we think are important. So when it's small things, and you can make a number if mm-hmm. it's $100 or whatever your small is, if it's less than $500, then we give each other leeway. Mm, I like that. I had a friend once whose husband was very budget conscious mm. and to make their marriage work, he finally created a line item that was Carol's free money. Yeah. <laughs> and yes. she could do anything she wanted with that. And she was happy as a clam because no more restrictions. Restrictions made her crazy. So she knew how much she could spend on and anything then, she and whatever, wanted. And she didn't have to necessarily give answers, but exactly. it, there was a certain amount. Mm-hmm. This makes me think of, we have an article that you wrote, Dar, at the Grit and Grace Project, um, seven conversations when you're talking marriage. So we'll make sure to link to that in the show notes, but just some some things to discuss with someone um, that you're you know moving toward marriage with when it comes to money, because as, as you hear it from Dr. Zoe herself, that money could become a big issue in marriage. So we definitely want to cover it from lots of different angles. What's the next thing you think you see a lot of couples coming in to struggle? I think you said parenting. I would be interested in hearing some more about some parenting things that you can help us with. So parenting style is usually the biggest Mm -hmm. issue. Now, remember, we all come from different places. We often marry our opposites. And we, especially when it comes to parenting, we usually have an idea way before we're even married of, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do this. I really love what my parents did in this area. And I want to do that too, or I really hated what they did and I want to do the opposite. And so we're all coming to our parenting um, with these ideas. And then all of a sudden we realize, but wait, there's this other parent and he's got his ideas and often they clash. And when we talk about you're both right, that one is really important when it comes to parenting too. Um, And I really try to work with couples to help them respect the individual relationship that the mom has with the child or the dad has with the child. So we talk about same thing, general rules. So there are certain rules we can agree. These are the rules. These are consequences. And when you write them down and you've both agreed on them, it helps as well. But when it comes to things that are just individual relationship issues, you have to kind of let that parent do their thing, if that makes sense. It does. So if your husband wants to hang your child upside down over a cliff, it's Mm kind of okay, even though you're (laughs) screaming inside. You might have to turn around. Yeah, you do. Trust me, I've done that. (laughs) Yes, exactly. I had a a husband and wife. And here's a big one is, is, well, for this issue, it was jealousy. So the wife didn't wasn't raised with a father and she and her husband, they're really great parents. And the dad, they have one daughter and this little girl, I mean, she's got her dad wrapped totally around and it's (laughs) adorable and it's beautiful. And they have this great relationship and the mom feels like he just coddles her and that, you know, he, the the things that he does with her, it's just too much. And Uh. that she's spoiled. And Mm -hmm. it really, that really isn't what it is. It's just that she didn't experience that. So Mm -hmm. seeing a dad and a daughter so close and having this loving relationship is difficult for her. And so really trying to help her to encourage her, you know what, if he wants to walk all the way to the kitchen to get her daughter a glass of water that she can get for herself, just let him do it. She's, you're not going to do it, right? (laughs) Let them have their own relationship. 
I love that. Yeah. I think we often in dating relationships, you know, preparing for marriage, we have that conversation of, you know, are we going to have kids and how many are we going to have? But we probably don't go much further than that into what do you think you want to do about sleep training? And at what age will we allow our children to date? These things that are really going to become issues as your children grow older, we just kind of have that top line conversation. So this is really helpful. Um, you know, those tips you're giving and allowing each parent to have their individual relationship. And I just, I keep going back to that phrase, you're both right. Ooh, yeah. Yeah. That's a good one. And it's actually good for kids to see that difference. And kids are so smart. They know I can get away with this with dad. You know, I can get away with this thing with mom, but watching parents, number one, watching parents disagree and come to a resolution in front of them is very important. And being able to experience that, you know, not just the feminine and the masculine, but also just those differences. It helps grow kids. Mm -hmm. So you don't always have to be perfectly aligned in, in, in that way. You just have to agree and be a united front. All right. Well, I feel like we have plenty of advice to take away from this episode, but I want to give you one last opportunity. Is there, is there anything you want to make sure um, a woman is taking away from this episode? Some things that you want to make sure they're applying in their relationships today as they've, they've listened to this episode. Well, one thing I think I didn't hit on was some research in the area of couples and seeking therapy. And the research has shown that most couples sit on a therapy-worthy issue for six years before seeking treatment. So, wow. you know, there, I talked earlier about the whole do-it-yourself culture mm -hmm. that we have. Um, and a lot of times they're just really trying to work through it and work through it. But what happens is by the time they come to therapy, they're so polarized because they've been dealing with this issue for many, many years. So I would say, you know, one of the takeaways is that not only is there no shame in seeking therapy, but there's honor in doing that. And so I would encourage people, women, to seek out therapy earlier rather than later. Yeah, I wonder great. if that's where, you know, you've, you've kind of heard statistically that seven years is kind of a hard mark in marriage. I wonder if that's where the correlation is. That's interesting. And so, okay, so my two takeaways for today are both are right mm -hmm. and don't wait. Yeah. Don't wait. That's really good. Well, so if you've listened to this episode and you're like, all right, well, I'm about six years into this issue with my husband or with my boyfriend, um, I'm going to make sure we link in the show notes to Dr. Zoe's website because don't you do remote counseling? I keep saying I count therapy. It, it is therapy because you are yeah. properly educated, licensed and all of that. So we're going to make sure if you're listening to this episode and you feel like you've connected with Zoe, which I can't imagine that you wouldn't feel oh, that I way. Cannot either. Um, I probably am going to be setting up a counseling session with you, <laughs> um, but we'll make sure we uh, link to your website and to your social accounts um, for uh, our friends to get some more encouragement and maybe even have an opportunity to set up some time with you because there is no shame no in shame. getting some therapy. So thanks so much for hanging with us at, on this episode. We um, are confident that anyone who's listened today has got some um, helpful insight that they're going to be able to apply right away as they seek to live the grit and grace life, being a woman of strength, recognizing that we can't do it all without some outside help. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with it. So thanks so much for being with us, Zoe. Thank you, ladies. I oh, appreciate it. Sure. I'm sure we're going to have you back soon. Thanks for listening to another episode of this Grit and Grace Life podcast brought to you by the Grit and Grace Project. 
Take a few minutes and head over to iTunes to rate and review the show so more people can find us. And be sure to subscribe so you never miss an upcoming episode. If you can think of a friend who could benefit from this episode or the show in general, please be sure to share us with her. And for all the details on today's episode, find the show notes by heading to thegritandgraceproject.org. You can follow us on social so you miss nothing that we're sharing throughout the week on all things living a grit and grace life. We'll catch you on the next one.